Hey everyone and welcome to Almost Cancelled, I am Peter, that is Connor, and we are going to talk about Too Old to Die Young, Volume 9, The Empress. Full spoilers for the episode, as always. Uh, so episode, episode 9 um, of 10, and despite previous thoughts, this episode 10 does not appear to be an epilogue, because this is not the ending of the show in any way, shape, or form. No, it's, it's just going to be a very short ending, um, in comparison. Um, in comparison, honestly, I think it was a bit of a leap anyway, given the way Refn works, uh, to assume that just because the last episode was shorter that it was going to be an epilogue. Um, I think it was just it's so significantly shorter. I think it was a, a reasonable assumption. It was a wrong assumption. But reasonable. A wrong assumption. So, um, we have... Uh, so I will make... I like this episode a lot. Almost every scene in this did a lot for me, but I'm going to make one one critique here on this this episode is that it probably felt the most fragmented of the entire season like i I almost felt like sections of like okay this is this character section this is rather than everything feeling like it was part of an episode together um outside of some jenny stuff but kind of not jenny sorry diana stuff that came back round uh at the end hey i was gonna say whoa wait did i miss something (laughs) it's funny it's funny i say that though because there's a sort of character that's revealed towards the end who I thought they were going to pull a weird moment on us and have it be Janie, and I was like, whoa, 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 is it about to be Janie who's, like, not dead? Like, how did this happen? What sort of weird supernatural bullshit are we dealing with now? Um, and it wasn't. Which, but... I will say, had they gone that route in this episode, mm-hmm. this would have been the episode where they'd established that as a possibility. They, no, they did, because they did feel on, like, the, the opening uh, with, with uh, sorry, almost in Janie, uh, Diana, uh, her waking up, do you know what it is? She looks more like a Janie. She doesn't look like a Diana. I'm, I'm going to say it. <laughs> she looks more like a Janie. What? Jenna Malone looks more like a Janie. Maybe because her name's Jenna. I don't know. But the point is, is that she wakes up and she's she's or she's had such visions that are so 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 intense or painful that she's blacked out from. She's lying on the floor in pain next to her pool, and it's very much taking a toll on her. And she goes to see someone over them, and you know part of her visions are those creepy girls the mannequins or, or well, not mannequins they're actually girls but they're so still and like painted that they look almost fake yeah. uh, that we saw at the end of last episode so that ties it into what we were seeing there which obviously J- diana was not in that scene she she was julia Fletcher, it's throughout this entire episode i was thinking the name Janie in my head every time i looked at her I, I don't know why but for some reason she's you've been fine the entire show maybe but and then now now you decide you just can't decide, just remember her name i remember her name i just think jenny sits her better um so she goes to see uh this this person this uh mystic i'll say uh, for lack of a better sure, specific yeah. term and it's basically for guidance about her visions and what's happening and there, there was a moment here where, where the assistant dude like handed her like a there was like a lemon soda, and she's just sitting there with this lemon soda. And I just it was such a weird visual given the context of the scene that she was just sitting there sipping this this fruity this drink, sprite or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, but she she's uh sitting there and she does this thing where she puts stuff over her eyes and she talks about what she's seeing and yeah. it's like she's trying to connect to the vision she had already because the visions were so powerful that when she woke up her eyes are just screwed. They've got a um, what's the what's the name of this effect? Uh, it has a specific name, doesn't it? Where it's that like the the silvery with like the like the oil spill kind of pattern reflection in it. There there is a specific name for it. That I'm blanking on now. 
Yeah, I don't know what it is. But yeah, she's got these eyes, and she's looking into these visions to try and see something. And she says she sees someone coming, someone naked, on fire, and she's coming towards her. And immediately, I think our heads jump to Yuritsa. It's like this is the only, especially this late in the season, we're not we're going to introduce something new, probably. Yeah. Like no, no, it's it's Yuritsa. It's likely this is Yuritsa. That said, though, this scene did not necessarily make it clear if this was a good thing or a bad thing because the way she describes it it sounds a lot more intimidating than someone who's going to be an ally although by the end of the episode it becomes quite clear because i actually thought this during this scene what if you is the actual real replacement for vigo and not martin uh, i actually yeah. thought it during this scene and the, the episode kind of like goes into that more as, as it goes on um but it just made a lot of sense to me and uh you know so this, this that's kind of the scene is this is this and you know as with tool to die young in traditional form by the time this scene's over we've already had like 15 minutes of the episode because there's been so many long shots and pauses between things and and so it on. really is about that long yeah i'm telling you this last episode it's just one scene it may just be one scene it's entirely possible it's just one scene <laughs> Yeah. um what should what should be like a regular tv show now what's the last scene just be like 50 scenes like all like 30 seconds each just the most quickest that would be so jarring i would hate it the whiplash is going to be something else um but she so then, then we, we we cut uh we cut i believe to to yaritza at this point in the doorway not quite yet no no she's no, in, no, no. She's this, at, this is the scene we're going to right that, this is the scene but she starts yeah. off in the uh she's you know she's at the mirror at the the you know the, what do we call it the you know the table with the mirrors the dressing table thank you dressing table that's the first i'm looking for um she, she's there and she's put on makeup and whatever and mascara and blah 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 and you know jesus shows up at the door and it becomes very apparent quite quickly that they're role-playing with her playing the role of his mother and you know we, we've talked a lot over the course of the, the show about uh, the weird incest kind of vibes that we've had and you know all that and you know this is a very beautiful shot as well and you know, that's this first half of this scene where they're standing at the doorway and uh, she's in silhouette but you can kind of see through like half of the skirt that's you know it's more see-through at the bottom so yeah, you can still the see a little bit yeah so you can still kind of see the shape of her, her pose and her legs and um is and the camera just doesn't move for a good four or five minutes yeah oh it never moves it, it cuts before it goes to a different shot it, it does it, i was just saying oh, yeah. that's how long this bit is but it just it stays there and it's him and obviously he calls her mom so you realize they're role-playing but you get that they're specifically role-playing his past when he get you know gives her money because we you know we heard before about how he'd sell drugs at school and then he came back and you know he'd give the money and he'd get his cut or whatever and we, they play this out and we're seeing this this and obviously it's like i mean i have to obviously they've got a weird relationship but i have to imagine just imagine you're in a relationship with someone right your and your partner says to you hey i would like you to role play for me and you go sure i'm a kinky person i can get into it and then they say i want you to pretend to be my mother what was your thought at that moment in time what, what, what goes through your head as, a, as an individual yeah I, I is it better or worse in this scenario that his mother's dead it's, it's neither better or worse it's six and a half a dozen it's it's it's, it's all kinds of messed up in both ways <laughs> it is i'm just I, i'm just trying to figure out if if her being dead is it actually the the sexual connection that that we're you know kind of going off of because that's their relationship or is it more just a this is a deep-seated misunderstanding of how he's processed his grief 
and it's literally well, i i think it's more specific than that because uh as the scene goes on and you know they go through the motions uh where she's like oh i'll give you a big reward you know it's based a bit it's, it's almost like a mother-son role play but with a bit of porn dialogue thrown in it, it um, is yeah and... i love the bit in the, the breaking character so that you know he, he goes oh hey you know should uh offer me some milk or whatever you know something like that and so in spanish it, it, yeah they do it in spanish to show that oh no, that's out of character that's just uh out of the role play that's directing. That's the directing uh, yeah. coming in. Um, and, you know, and obviously, he's a glass of milk, and he drinks it slowly, and yada yada yada. Um, and they end up in the in the bedroom, and she's putting makeup on him. Right? She's dressing him up uh, with lipstick yeah, and whatnot. Because um, he asks, "Oh, do you do you think I look like you?" Uh, in the kitchen. Yes, and. He outright says that his mother sucked him off in this scene. He says that. He says that this was what she would do. Um, and while we have speculated about how he felt about his mother and the weird incestuous vibes, this is, I believe, the first time we've had outright confirmation that some sort of sexual activity did happen. Which is very interesting to me because, I mean, going back to your previous question, it's kind of a, almost a redundant question because it's not that it's worse or, or better that she's dead. It's more... It's because it's not the result of her death. It's the result of what she was when she was alive. And sure. I think what's interesting about this is that it kind of puts him into a place where he was actually uh, assaulted. He was molested by a, an older person when he was still a child. Um, you know, this was something he was doing when he was in, I think he said middle school the first time he brought this up. I mean, maybe, maybe the sexual activity didn't start yet, but uh, given the role-playing, he was still a kid. He was still under the age of uh, consent. Sure. And that's been a big theme of this show and the type of people that Yuritsa goes after are, are perpetrators of this, the type of people that Vigo goes after is perpetrators of this. And Martin himself, even though he was trying to flip to the good side, was a, a perpetrator of this. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me if Jesus and Janie were a similar age at the first, you know, the, the first time it happened, you know, just for thematic, you know, reasons Probably. to line up. Yeah. Uh, so that was, that was a, a really big revelation for me in this scene, just in terms of tying this into everything and the idea that Martin, uh, well, not Martin, sorry, that, that Jesus, because of like what he went through, this is like as awful as he is, because he says some pretty vile stuff in this episode. We'll get to that scene later, but yeah, given how messed up he is, uh, both sexually, also as a, as a crime boss, and how much he cares about violence and all that stuff. I think there's something to be said in this show that at least part of it makes stem from the fact of his upbringing and the way his mother was with him and the, the way it's messed him up and it's why that despite everything he does and says in this show there's, there's a tinge of sympathy for him that he's been made this way that oh, he, he can't process regular thoughts the way everyone else does because of this traumatic experience he's went through um and i've got other thoughts as well there but stuff that janie says later that ties back into your that's not janie diana yes uh just if i say janie in this episode I'm, I'm unless i specifically start talking about her relationship to martin or something like that i'm talking about diana <laughs> just, <laughs> um so no so this was a fascinating scene uh because of that and the outright confirmations of, of things we've been theorizing about and then of course after they're done because again there is a sex scene although it's probably the, the most regular tame sex scene yeah. i mean sure there's there's the the belt around there but other than that it's just it's a bit more typical i suppose it um, was border, borderline network tv safe you wouldn't see this in network tv i said borderline you i think the audio alone makes it not safe for network tv uh, okay sure the audio 
does take it over that line for sure. Visually, yeah. though, I don't think it's that extreme that you couldn't get it on network. No, you can get it on network. I think you're mad. No, this is more like basic cable uh, levels. Mm. Name, me one, name me one network TV show that would show that shot. No, I'm saying I, I think you could get close to getting away with this on on network TV. I'm not saying it's it's ready to you to shoot straight onto network. I said borderline, as in it's close. No, you, no, you're just wrong. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to fight you on this. You're just wrong. This is this is not borderline network TV. This this is maybe we get away with it in USA Network. Um, you know, I could see this scene on Mr. Robot or oh, something like that. Um, but this ain't popping up on Riverdale. This ain't popping up on on I don't know. I don't watch a lot of network TV these days. <laughs> what else is on right now? NCIS season twenty-five. I, I don't think you have to tweak that. Much. Oh, you're not, you're not getting on a CBS show. Come on, be, be realistic. Oh, what's network then? What, what if no, CBS no, is you, off the table? What's network? No, you, know, you, you said Riverdale there. I don't think you need to tweak that much to get this onto Riverdale or that style of of, of show. You have to tweak it enough. I, I don't know. I, I think I think your your scale here is 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 broken. Well, it doesn't really matter, does it? It doesn't. But, yeah, it's not network TV. It's nonsense. Anyway, uh, so afterwards, they're talking about the next day. And, uh, you know, because we don't know who they're talking about yet. And we find out in the next scene that it's the, it's the, the lieutenants. It's, you know, the area sort of leaders in the, in the cartel. And, but she's, you know, he's saying, oh, I'm going to seduce them. I'm going to make sure that I'm boss, blah, blah. And she's like, oh, you know, who are you? You're not, you're not you know, uh, the son or the cousin anymore. You're, you know, who are you? And he's like, oh, I am Jesus. You know, I'm the king of kings. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, so again, so it's about power. You know, again, we come back to this every every episode. The themes of this show, power, women, and I, violence. I think this is the money. most deluded he's ever been, though. In this point oh. where he's saying, oh, I'm, I'm going to seduce them and I'm going to have the power. Oh, sure. When she's literally lying in bed next to him, having seduced him with all the power. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. He, he is... Uh, but he does have an element of power, um, but you do feel like he's getting played. And it also, I mean, the next scene confirms that he doesn't know what Yaris has been doing and, like, has no clue and will not yeah. be filled with the revelation should it come up. Um, so we get this this extended scene um, in a club. Uh, it's mostly empty, you know, it's just the cartel people that are there. But there is a, there is a band playing, there's like an Elvis tribute or something. <laughs> Mexican Elvis. <laughs> yes, he doesn't speak Spanish, though. Um, no. And doesn't even call it Spanish. It refers to it as Mexican, which does strike me as odd. Um, Give me a good chuckle. But uh, everyone's kind of just indifferent to it, ex except except Latino Defoe. He's like way into it and is clapping at the end, and he's he's all yeah. happy about I mean, it. He's... It's fine, right? Throughout. Sure. It's not terrible. I'm just not a big Elvis guy, really. So I mean, not really have you know. <laughs> well, I'm, not, I'm not the biggest fan, but. Is this an actual Elvis song? I didn't recognize it, but... Uh, I don't remember. I mean, probably? Probably. I don't know. It, it sounded like it could have been, from what I remember. Yeah. Oh, I, I just, no. So anyway, uh, Jesus and Yuritsa just sit there quietly throughout most of this scene. The first, like, you know, four-fifths of it or something like that. Like, you know, like, there's a long... They're, just, they're off on a separate table as well, watching... They're in a booth, the... yeah. They're in a, they're yeah. In a booth whilst there's a main table that has uh, Latino Defoe, 
Yeah, the one guy with the goatee who was one of the people who were asked to like do the murder. Not not the first guy though. It was like the the sub guy before the third yeah. guy got asked. Uh, uh, you know, several episodes ago. But um, they're going through and this is like a regular meeting. They've got okay, item number twelve. Yada yada. Like, yeah, number yeah, thirteen. Taking the minutes. Yeah. Uh, very, very, all all very proper, and so so Latia the fool brings up okay. What about the taco trucks? And they're talking about what they're making from them, and it's not as much as it used to be. And uh, they bring up the fact that there's a there's a the the, the fancy hipster white guy taco taco trucks uh, yeah, making more money. Who aren't paying their share to the cartel because presumably they don't realize. Yeah, they're, they're new. They've not been you know yeah brought into the fold yet or actually some of the later dialogue made me think that they were paying the the, the same rate as the mexicans but i don't know maybe, maybe maybe the mexicans were actually they were making direct profit off of them i wonder, I wonder if it's just that they, they they knew they should have been they've been told but they just weren't like you know all, all the the mexican taco sellers were like hey this is the cartel we're gonna pay our share just because we're not messing about with it and you know when when they've Come round to to all the white guys. Go right. Go on. Give us your cut. They, they kind of just it's assumed it wasn't serious. I don't know. The way he introduced it to me sounded like it was just no, no. All these new trucks have shown up, so therefore we're not making money. Therefore they've not tried to take money from them. So no, it, it did at first. Um, but then when we got to later on it, especially when Jesus came in with his uh suggestion of how to deal with it, it sounded to me like no, no. no this this is something they they they're willingly not paying the tax at the moment. I mean, maybe. I, I The way I kind of read it, though, was that the Mexican trucks, just there was less of them now. They were going out of business. So they were making uh, less money because there was just less trucks giving them money. Uh, so it was be. like, now we have to rope in these new people to uh, make up the, the difference. Um, But the guy's like weird. This middle guy on the table is like, uh, but we should probably just get out of that business anyway. And he's like, what, why? Are you crazy? What are you talking about? He's like, well, yeah, we could do bigger and better things. Hear me out. Cartel TV. Cartel TV. Um, yeah, well, the NRA have their own show, so why not? Us? And he's talking about how we could get tons of ratings from ki- you know killings, but they're real killings. And obviously, I'm sitting here thinking, like, yeah, but TV's regulated. Yeah, <laughs> like this is just going to get you all in prison like much quicker than anything else you do would. Um, and and you know, and Latino Defoe's going, "You're a moron," and I'm like, "Yes, yes, he is a moron. <laughs> this is stupid." And by the end of the scene, he's like. All right, this isn't terrible. Like, <laughs> what? What just happened? Joe, you know no, no. It's this, this, this seduction, the appearance of more power, even if it's even if it's ridiculous power. It's this idea that oh, we could be famous, we could be rich and famous in ways that are different. You know, like yeah. this idea of being like seduced by corporate America and the, the way the system works. And of course, as soon as Hayes jumps in at the end, he's like, "Yeah, oh, you're a bunch of tits, basically." Yeah. Um, <laughs> Do you know what bothered me as well about this is? Let's go along with the idea that the TV channel is a great idea and, and they should have one. Mm-hmm. Why do they need to stop hitting the taco trucks up as well? Yeah, they can make money on both. <laughs> <laughs> Why get out of the taco game to have to have the, the TV? Like, are, all, are all the enforcers going to run the taco trucks suddenly your, your camera crew? Like, you have to like, you know, enlist those people as specific other roles to make and the TV Assuming the, these, most of these are regular paying, you know, uh, trucks and they, they know what they're doing. How how much enforcing does it actually take? Yeah, just someone goes up and collects the money every week or whatever it is. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how often the collection is. Um, I have no idea, but it, this just seemed insane. So, 
Yeah, so, of course, uh, and they also bring up that uh, they don't want uh, no no torture for a while, also to stay away from the, the, the Jewish and the Arab communities, like, you know, we're not trying to raise any chaos right now or attention, you know, just things that make some sense. Uh, but when Jesus chimes in, he says, no, no, it's open season, I want more torture, I want more violence, I want to turn the city into a bloodbath, uh, and don't just raise the taxes on the white guys, no, no, rape some family members, that'll make them they'll pay up uh, that'll scare yeah, them yeah. yeah he he he's he's wanting chaos he's wanting a bloodbath and Eurice is smelling through the whole thing and i can't help but feel from her perspective outside of maybe the, the taco truck because this is like innocent people's families getting attacked probably yeah but un until he starts going hey just violence free for all on everyone she's she's probably mostly on board yeah um of course i want i want to see what she's cooking uh come come next episode behind his back <laughs> because I, I expect some fun and obviously you know latino defoe tries to talk sense into him but he's like no 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 we're going to be violent we're going to be this and we're going to you know outlive and again it's this idea of power That's, he says like oh we're going to make money so much money that we'll wait instead of counting it because it'll take too much time we'll just wait it okay we made this many you know kilograms of money this week and yeah. just move it in it's that like way. what a bank does essentially where, where... yeah yeah, when you deposit it you know they just weigh it all and it's like well we know how much each denomination weighs so it's easier sure um but yeah again it all comes back to power it all comes back to control and uh, everything else and and money and this idea again that he's this messed up he he he's having to do this to assert his own dominance to assert his own power to feel like he's the king of the world because he's so messed up from the way he was controlled as a child from the way he was abused as a child you know he's lashing out and he's so screwed up from his upbringing that he has to keep vying for more control because it's something he never felt he had. So even though he is, you know, role-playing out his, his life and, and how he was treated, the idea that he is, you know, trying to kind of assert himself and show himself as being the one in charge of being the biggest, baddest... Because this is the way he looked at his mother, that she was the biggest, baddest, scariest person. And he wants Which everyone... Yeah, and he wants everyone to feel that way about him. He wants to uh, go out there and feel, again, the most powerful anyone has ever felt. As he says, the king of kings. Being king is not enough. He wants to be the king of kings. He doesn't want to be the king of his cartel. He wants to be the king of every gang and organized crime unit in the city. He wants to control everything. Nothing is enough for him uh, because he's been left with this first because of the way he was treated. He wants to prove that he's better and that he's stronger and he's tougher. And it's how he's messed up by being abused. And I think what's interesting about this, to then wrap it back round into everything we're doing with, with Diana, I said her name, yeah, look at me go, um, is that ultimately Martin was the false prophet. He was the false one to come in and take over because thematically it makes more, way more sense in the show for a woman to be the one who kind of carries the torch forward. Because it, it goes back to what I said way back in the episode one review. I said, the one the one sort of critique I had of episode one, which it seems to be intentional now looking back on it, is that there was no strong women characters. You know, Diana wasn't even in the first episode. Eureka wasn't in the first episode. Um, it was very much a man's world. It was a I man mean, in down control. To the, the opening scene was just all about that. Yeah, yeah. That, that was the theme of what the episode was. The show has largely been about that. And when we get into the stuff with Diana later in this episode, and the idea that thematically it, just, it makes more sense for yuritsa or the high priestess of death to take over is this passing of the torch where no 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 no, a woman can be the one who fights back it can be a woman who who takes control and it's what ultimately makes jesus i don't want to say a chump 
but like he thinks <laughs> he thinks he's in charge he thinks he's the new guard but ultimately it's really Yuritsa who's taking because control because that's what I said he was completely deluded yeah um yeah it's a power play like him sitting there making this speech is nothing about it's nothing but ego it's just him wanting to feel like he's the one in charge yeah exactly um it's 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 childish yeah he's he's, he's thrown a tantrum he's uh he's shown all the other kids in the playground that it, it's, they'll have it's to answer basically him. yeah yeah basically he's had his authority questioned and now he's overcompensating to go, hey, look, you're going to do everything I say, no matter what it is. And no matter how extreme and ridiculous exactly. and, you know, over the top. Pointless it, just... it might be. Because they're not in the business of pointless violence murder. They're, they're there to make money, right? The, most of them. Yeah. And you know, that, that money comes with power and other privileges, don't get me wrong. But to them, you know, they don't want to just kill, you know, the the... The, the hipster taco truck vendors they don't want to just kill them they want to take their money they, they, they want to get that you know they want to, they, they're fine having them there as long as they're in their system whereas Hazes is like yeah just just kill them do whatever you want i don't care yeah um then, then we come to vigo who has a very interesting scene with his mother uh very very operatic um the 5.1 mix was very loud the brass when it came in was absolutely deafening and it was Odd, odd, still somehow less operatic than than one of his later scenes sure yeah no the uh the vigo and diana theme which i was listening to in the soundtrack after it was done because it's such oh, a good it's piece such of music, a good soundtrack um it? is what plays later but this, this is a very bombastic this one and it's him sitting there and, he's, and there's a speech playing um but he takes out his eye his fake eye uh, and it's the speech is talking about um you know going out and like you know you know scorching the earth and, and violence and all the rest of it um and he puts his eye down and his mother in slow motion like picks it up and i saw like is she gonna eat it looks like she's gonna eat it and then she eats it and then she gets up and walks away and actually because of the way it transitioned uh to her just not being there almost even though you see her getting up the way it transitions from his perspective where she's just not there anymore i almost thought she was already dead and that this was just mm -hmm. like symbolic that she wasn't really sitting there and it seemed like she actually was because he goes through, but there may be more time has passed than we realize from the moment she left to the moment he realizes she's gone it might be like a a weird transition thing where like oh be, yeah. it was hours later and she's not there anymore and she's lying dead in the other room and you know he, he walks in and the way i read this scene was that his fake eye kind of represents him pretending to still be a normal person and mm. that he's ready to take that out and i think the idea that his mother who's about to die as she's dying takes it and eats it and you know if you know, symb symbolically takes it with her yeah, is the idea like, that uh, you can't have this anymore you know what with, with her dies any any enthusiasm or care he has to pretend to be normal like that, yeah, that was it, it, what was grounding him to I think the it earth. goes back to i think it was last episode with with martin uh, you know and, you know well you know what was it like when you know uh, when he died uh, yes. yeah yeah that conversation and we were talking about oh was it actually talking about you know vigo in the past you know symbolically and this kind of uh kind of carries on with that theme it's just it's the idea that like um much like Janie was starting to ground Martin, his mo Martin, uh, Vigo's mother was what grounded him, and with her passing, any desire he had to pretend to be normal or keep up with that. Even I mean I know he puts the eye back in when he goes outside because it's just practical, but symbolically the idea that it, that's taken with her when she dies, yeah. that's what the scene is symbolizing. So uh, no, really solid scene in that sense. And he goes to goes to Diana and she's like. Um, you know, he's like, oh, I need some. I need to kill someone. I need to do it now. 
and she's like, well, uh, you know, some things are lining up, but we're not quite ready yet. He's like, no, I need to, you know, admits that his mother died and that he needs to like kill as many as he can. Like he needs to get this out of him. Yeah, he's like, I'll, you know, I'll take Martin. He could help. She's like, well, don't think we're going to be seeing him anymore. Yeah, yeah. She, she, she can sense that he's gone. Uh, I, I, I think it's weird how overt just okay yes she is psychic and has powers in this episode whereas up until this episode we were like not sure at all if anything i think we were more more on the side that probably not and she was using her job and it was just a a nice story right it played into the the theme it doesn't surprise me either though no it, i'm not saying it was a shock but it was like i was more of a huh okay i guess she does have powers well, I think what's interesting about that is the idea of opening up here to that possibility is kind of like, much like a lot of the characters in the show, like the show was intentionally narrowing our viewpoint so we weren't aware of it. Um, the idea that we were almost ignorant to it so that when it opened up, it was like, oh, there's more to this. And we, you know, something that we just never would have thought of, perhaps out of our own sort of narrow-minded view of the world. Um, but uh, she gives them that, reluctantly gives them this job uh, there's an entire trailer park full of uh, sex offenders, and she's like, "It's dangerous. You may not come back." But he's he's ready to go, and we get maybe the most stalized sequence of the entire show. And that is saying something in this show. Vigo walks into this trailer park, and it's already kind of like interesting, like you know, it's, it's that kind of crack of dawn lighting where it's still quite dark, but there's a bit of light coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then all the light goes away, and he's in like just the you know the the, the negative black space and everything he shoots is just like in a black space as well a lot of slow motion just individual people getting shot trailers blowing up there's a naked guy there's little huts blowing up and there's a santa claus dancing at one point this is surrealism at its at its finest oh it's it's absolute surrealism uh the santa claus oddly actually does make some sense uh if we're talking about uh predators here uh, oh sure! It yeah. just made me. It made me think that that's where here lures in uh, his it's, victims. It's an easy way to get to them, isn't it? Yeah. Um. You know. So it, you know, it goes through all this, and you have a, a variety of characters uh, dying, and again, very operatic. That this was an all like, you know every gunshot was like thunderous. Like I almost considered turning the volume down, almost. Um. But I I did a little. I did turn <laughs> it down. That's because I know on the other side of that wall there, as to where I'm watching there is a, a roughly one-year-old baby asleep. <laughs> and I know from past experience, if I play something too loud, it will wake up and start screaming. And that that can interrupt. It's just annoying. It's inconsiderate. Yes, yes. But what it causes any screaming after midnight. Check out a horror movie podcast called Screams After Midnight that I did with Tim. Uh- <laughs> Shameless. <laughs> so easy. Um, every year we get this scene with Diana, who's in, sitting in a restaurant, and she's she's, you know, we we don't know for sure that she's waiting for Vigo, but it's kind of the assumption that she's probably waiting for him, but doesn't yeah. necessarily know if he's coming back. This idea that she sent him out on this mission and it was dangerous, and because I actually thought the last gunshot that sort of ended the music, uh, I thought almost might have not been his. That it might have been like you know one of those moments where you hear a gunshot and then you realize after a moment that he's the one who's been shot. Uh, it could have been. Yeah. It, it kind of played almost like it was going to be that, and then he sort of held the gun up and I was like, oh maybe not, but you know she she's uh, talking to the waitress and she's asking for pie. Uh, she doesn't want apple, but uh, the cherry pie the waitress said she's kind of claimed. If it's, if that's okay, she was going to take it home to her grandmother. 
And it, the, the camera is very clearly hiding the waitress's face. And this is where I thought, are we going to get some sort of weird Jenny reveal here? Where Jenny's like, <laughs> like I was, it was some sort of David Lynch esque. Uh, like, uh, you're just saying that because of the cherry pie. Maybe, maybe it was the cherry pie that's making me think of that. Um, yeah, Dougie was going to walk just, in, it was going to connect just, the universes at the end of the scene. It's just put it in your head, all this cherry pie talk. But, uh, you know, and she, she says to her, uh, you know, you're going to take some cherry pie home to grandma, just like, you know, Red Riding Hood. But did you know that in the, the original Red Riding Hood story, uh, you know, the wolf didn't eat her at the end? That's not what happened. And she's like, oh, so would you like to hear the original story? And she's like, sure. And she eventually sits down. It's not until quite late on in the, in the story that we finally see her face. And it's the woman from the start of episode one, uh, which is a really neat, like, thematic bookend now that we're right at the end of the season to kind of tie this back in. But the point of the story is that the wolf instead rapes Red Riding Hood and doesn't kill her, just says, I expect you back here tomorrow so I can do that again. And she's like, but Red Riding Hood's an experienced hunter. She's not like, you know, some, you know. Yeah, she's the woodsman. She's the woodsman. Um, so the next day she comes back and she's prepared and she guts the wolf, you know, from, from you know, end to end. And... The point of this story is, is I think, very clear again in the themes of this show and that the idea that Yuritsa went through something when she was younger and came out with a stronger character for it, uh, better than Martin did. The idea that, you know, Jesus went through this thing and instead of being stronger, came out this weird, like, dangerous individual. Um, yeah. But it's this idea that um, just because this, this person has become a victim does not mean that you have to accept that you're always going to be a victim. You can come back and you can fight and become stronger and yeah. that's not the end of your story and, and to tell to tell this story to the person from the first episode you know this woman who was attacked like this yeah. oh not attacked but threatened and, and belittled in the way she was in episode one and this idea that no no that's not the end of your story you're still here you're getting your cherry pie you're home to your grandmother you're not done um there's more to this but and this is where i really like that we got the confirmation of the the psychic powers earlier on in this episode because you know when when Diana's transfer, I I I believe that she actually has seen and knows. Okay, this person has been through something. Maybe she doesn't know the specifics, mm. but she knows something happened, and this story is relevant to her, and it's not just a story. Yeah. So instead of the usual story, it's not Red Rain Hood is just killed. It's Red Rain Hood comes back and is able to sort of earn justice and and you know call yeah. it revenge if you want. Um, and there's obviously there's a separate discussion to this show if revenge is something that's healthy because it's very much not but <laughs> it's not and I think this this show has played with both sides in that yeah. you know we, we've seen every, everything Jesus did was uh, was revenge yeah right? and, but then clearly you know in some ways um, Vigo Martin Yuritsa, it's all revenge as well in in depending on well, how you interpret here, it. well here's how I, I sort of look even, even though they're killing people so it's not a perfect comparison but it's kind of a batman thing in the way that they can never be normal they're always going to have this fire inside them so they may as well channel it into something good they may as well channel it in a way that's beneficial to, to to something to the world to anyone um but the idea is that they're just not normal anymore and they're never going to be they're always going to have this inside of them yeah i think weirdly the probably the, you know in terms of comics the best comparison is probably, probably the punisher right yeah, but I've never read the Punisher, so I can't, I can't, I can't really relate to it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. But ju just okay on the on the idea that something terrible happened to him, he got revenge, but then 
you know, the, just the direct revenge against that people, that's not enough. That that doesn't solve the problem. And then, you know, decides to, to be more proactive and stop it to other people as well. And then that's kind of what, you know, we, we're seeing here. Yeah, where was it? Yeah, so so Vigo does walk in. Uh, Vigo walks in. This is when the, the main, the, you know, their theme kicks in. This operatic uh, theme comes in with the singing. And mm. sits down and they, they have some pie together. Uh, and she says, you know, we're going to meet someone new soon. I don't know when, but she's coming. It, it kind of confirms, like, no, this, this is confirming what I, my mind jumped to earlier on. It's, no, Yuritsa is the replacement for, for Martin, or sorry, for Vigo, rather, instead of Martin. And, yeah. uh, you know, Martin was a decent attempt, and he maybe could have been better, but he was already too far gone. He'd already done things that couldn't be salvaged, both between his relationship with Janie and his previous sins. Whereas Yuritsa, in many ways, is a more pure kind of... Uh, vengeful spirit as it were so yeah and and i don't think that they're saying that 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 man was that bad oh no uh, in, yeah you know you know that obviously dan was quite happy to have martin around and use him and was quite happy with that at the time oh no i'm not, I'm not talking about what they think of i'm just talking about in the themes of the show that's why oh, martin, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's why martin failed is because he was just he was too impure he'd already he already yeah. had to pay for his sins he was already yeah, too yeah, far yeah. Gone. i think we spoke about that a lot last episode we, we did um whereas Eurisa, on the other hand isn't you know as far as i mean Eurisa has killed people but it seems to be mostly the, the people you know the the the, the right people that she's killed essentially it does, we we have never we've never seen her kill anyone for personal gain, shall no. we say. Um, in fact, it's mentioned that it's brought up in the scene, in the, in the meeting. Uh, that was the last point that was brought up, is that there's this angel of, you know, the high priestess of death, and we should do something about it. And she's got this smirk on her face the entire yeah. time. And, and what was Hazel's suggestion? Was oh, he, was, he, he was like, find her and like... Yeah, feed, 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 you know, feed, feed, feed her to her, her family. To her family yeah. And then put her head on a spike so that everyone else can see it. He is her family, so that's, that's, that would be an interesting thing. So, this has to end with her killing him, right? Probably. Unless we go down the route that he is also a victim, so it's not quite the right thing to do, but um, he is also completely okay with them having girls that they're selling. So, I mean... yeah, it, It's one of those things where, yes, he is a victim, and there is no denying that he is a product of his upbringing and his past as a whole. But that can only excuse so much of what he's done. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, he's, he's been a vile human being. Uh, from yeah. You know, everything in the back half of this season has been him, you know, his ego and trying to prove that he's the biggest, I mean, baddest person there is. Even in just this scene, the you know, the, the four or five lines he has of, of what he suggests to do, oh, yeah, they're that's all... enough to be, okay, no, he's too far gone. Yeah, yeah, he has to be taken out. This is absolutely vital, what he's suggesting. So, yeah, um, yeah so we end on a really happy kind of note where they're sitting there eating pie together and the music's swelling up and... It's this it's sweet nice. thing. And you know, and, and she's like, nah, someone's coming. She's coming and we're going to have a replacement for you. Um, yeah. Now, the, the question is, does this, do, you know, obviously we only got roughly half an hour. Do we have, you read, so kind of showing up at the end and being like, right, okay, or, you know, taking a place after the events of stuff. Or is it, there is 15 minutes of Diana and Yuritsa talking about things. I don't so know. I can see it going either way. I don't know. It's hard to say. It's hard to say how they're going to use this last half hour. But yeah, it could all be one big scene. It could be. I, I would not expect any more than three scenes uh, uh, at a maximum. <laughs> Just given the the 
average length of scenes in this show. I think uh, more than three or four scenes and it's going to feel rushed. Mm. Which is weird to say, because it's still half an hour, but in context of this show. I'm not making any bets, but we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Uh so no, I'm excited. I'm excited. You know, I I like where the show has gone. I like I, you know, it's so weird that we killed off what felt like the main character in the last episode. Um, but this episode feels like it's doing so much for like, the the overall message of the show. Um, it's the sort of thing where you could probably have done this entire season in one two hour movie. Like you probably could have done and made the same dramatic points. But what makes this reference is how much he's just bashed in every single scene. Oh yeah, yeah. Do you know what? Like the opening of this, yeah, we we we've talked a lot about the sound over the season and how utterly dead it is at points. Oh sure. Never more so than the opening of this, where you know we're we're outside and there's a pool and you can see you know there's motion in the pool. You know it's lapping away, and you should be hearing that, and there's just nothing. Yeah. Also, just one final point. As I never said this at the start, I just want to make it clear that I'm pretty sure her like you know crippling pain from these visions were, were happening as martin was being killed uh, i think that's what the image of the the girls kind of links it to is it yeah, the same time yeah um that was the impression i got anyway um so and hence why she knows he's definitely dead because she felt the pain essentially maybe not yeah. the literal pain but the the pain of the the emotion of it yeah because over the the course of this job you know in this partnership she's developed some sort of connection with martin mm-hmm uh, you know, she probably has you know a similar connection with Vigo. Uh, to to the say to the extent where okay, sub, should something like this happen, she she'll feel it. To an extent, she still seems relieved when he appears. So I'm going to say that it's not a clear cut. It's not clear cut. It's not like it, it might be that that she may have felt it if if he had gone, but may, but she wasn't sure. She didn't she didn't know she would feel it. If that makes sense. Okay. You know, in the sense that maybe she didn't realize that 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 she has the connection to this extent. You know, maybe Martin is is the first one of, of people like this who has died on her watch, and that was the first time it's happened to her. So, should Vigo die, she would experience the same thing again, and then she would make the connection herself. I think but was until it, then she might not know. I think what's interesting about this this show is that looking at it as a whole now, and not well, not a whole. We're talking about thirty minutes left, but now that we can kind of see the, the overall idea of it better, is that I think it's very interesting to cast your, your lead actor, you know, an, an own name, this this mm-hmm. white dude, and you set him up as this kind of replacement saviour over the course of the season, only to then say, no, he was never worthy. You assumed he was because he was the main character and because he was the, the white dude. But yeah, ultimately... But it's, it's actually this, this Mexican girl over here. Yeah, no, but more specifically the idea that... Um, like it's almost poking at the idea of the the straight white male lead, it is, right? Yeah. It's it's almost on a meta level taking the idea of what you think of as the hero of a story is and saying no, the hero of the story can be anyone, and it can be this person over here. I think it, I think it's important in this story that she's specifically a woman because I, th- I think the themes of how women are treated in this are very very important to it. But it is, and and I think her not being white adds another layer. It does add another layer. Um, but I think uh, that that is a big part of the show, and I think the idea of killing him off 
surprisingly at the end of episode 8 is a big part of that statement in saying no 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 it's essentially a very long version of the opening of Scream where you cast Drew Barrymore and you kill her <laughs> off in the opening scene and say hey no she wasn't your main character haha we got you she's one of the first victims do, do you know what's, what's really funny is going back to the first episode we said you know this feels like the last two hours could be Drive and, you know, and everything up to that is just you know okay this is before Drive uh, and you kind of get that in the sense that Hey, yeah, hey, we're building up to it, building up to it. Oh, oh actually, never mind. We're doing something else now. Mm. Uh, you know, in, in, in that analogy with, with Scream there, it's kind of very extended, but it, it kind of fits that timeline nicely. So, no, um, that's episode nine. So we got one left. Uh, excited to see uh, what's doing. I think what's interesting about it as well, just the point I made there, is that, again, going back to what I said in episode one, oh, I really hope there's some strong women characters introduced in the next couple of episodes. It's just kind of funny looking back and how the first episode and the build-up of Martin's character was almost playing on that. It was playing on the idea, you think it's this one thing, but it's actually saying... It, no, it, it, it makes it, it less of a complaint and more a very intentional choice. Yeah, it's, it's more of a red herring as a narrative point. And yeah. it's, it's, it's a very... It's a very kind of artistic thing to do is it was a very um ingenious thing to do because it feels like it's made its point in a way that like you have to trust it and sit through the whole thing and i feel like a lot of people won't i feel like there's a lot of people who watch the first episode of this and go i don't like this for this reason and that reason and the funny thing is is i feel like i mean sure if you don't like the pacing and the way it's shot then uh, yeah, yeah i think that, most people will be out because of the direction yeah. and the the pacing more than anything but i think there's some thematic things where at the end of episode one you might go i don't know if i like this because it's all these like you know tough dudes you know being masculine as shit but the actual show by the time you get to the end of it's a is a critique saying no their world's over now like their world's gone that's but, that's the entire point but yeah. you, don't, you don't get to that until quite late on in the season so i feel that some people will kind of shy away from it and go oh i don't think and i like this because of i i do think that it isn't till after after martin dies that you actually realize that's what the point of the show is because well you know okay they've been being introduced we've been talking about how yuritsa is is the, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the power in in her relationship for you know at least half the season um but it's not until he's actually out of the equation where you go oh oh shit she's the only hero left standing kind of you know in the is as the, the new blood the new guard uh and uh, you know it, it kind of suddenly clicks into place yeah so there you go that is episode nine of Tool to die young let us know what you think of the episode in the comments below uh we'll see you next time for the finale and this for the record was much quicker <laughs> from episode eight <laughs> we did not we did not have as much of a gap so uh it should be similar with episode 10 given especially that it's a lot shorter yeah, yeah. so we'll see you soon for that um and if you're looking forward to more three percent reviews once we're done with this we're going to focus on that as the, the catch-up kind of slot uh so look forward to that uh but uh, yeah let us know what you think of the episode uh you can support us of course on patreon.com slash tv if you want to keep all the content coming you can support it by going over there and don- donating as little as one dollar per month uh for access some bonus stuff and some early stuff uh but mostly just to show your support and keep everything coming it's the main way we're, we're supported and financed and you can, of course, also get us on Twitter at mailed underscore fuzz for channel updates. And also like and subscribe, rate the rate the podcast on the podcast app that you're using, all that kind of stuff. All of that does help. Uh, but that is us. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching TV, guys. Have you got any vanilla? <laughs>